Welcome back to a bevy of bloods for round 10 of the 2023 season. Steve-O and I try to wring out as much as we can out of this win over the rules in the pretty controversial circumstances that they were. So fluff up your tail feathers and settle in for a potentially biased yarn about all things to do with our beloved bloods. Okay, Swans fans, here we have 100% of the population of Finland that enjoys Vegemite. Welcome back, Steve-O. <laughs> Cheers, Chris. Yeah, I'm actually, I'm, I reckon I'm 50% of the population because my good mate Wyatt, who I'm um, from our footy team, he's a Crows fan, but um, but he's getting about half my supply. Every time I go to Australia, I bring him back <laughs> a jar. So between the two of us, we're probably getting through most of it. Um, but yeah, mate, it's, it's good to be here. This is the first time this year I've been here to review a win, and even though it was a not the most inspiring win. It was a win, and I'll take it. And uh, we can actually have a partially upbeat chat for a change. It'll be nice. Yeah, it hasn't been too many wins on the, this year, to be honest with you. So uh, we've had uh, limited um, spots to to get too excited. And even then, as you suggested, this one's been a bit we'll, – we'll get into it, I guess. Um, uh, look, let's get stuck into the game recap. But before I do, let me just quickly ask everyone out there to make sure you like our posts, Facebook, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Twitter, Instagram, everywhere that you see our stuff. It does make a big difference to the podcast, making sure we can get out there. And as I've said every other week, there's very minimal AFL-related swan stuff out there in the world. And so make sure to support your guys where you can. All right, now into the game score recap. Last Saturday, our Sydney Swans defeated the North Melbourne Kangaroos by three points with a final score of 14-19-93 to 14-6-90. Right, Steve-O, controversial finish, and we'll get into that, but how did you feel about the win generally? It was, yeah, it was funny. We've had a lot of Swans fans complaining about the umpires this year, and, and look, we just got given one, so I guess I'll take nice. it. Nice. <laughs> yeah, I guess that's the apology for, for maybe maybe the 2016 grand final, if, if not, he's listening. Um, <laughs> yeah, that was finally the event that we got. Look, it was frustrating, wasn't it? Like, the, from start to finish, the game was frustrating. The yeah. I think Swans had the first eight shots at goal of the day, and from those eight shots, we got two goals, five behinds, and a complete miss. Didn't even make the distance. Yeah. I forget who kicked yeah. it. I think it was Heaney or Haywood or someone. And that really set the scene for a pretty frustrating afternoon. But then we pinched it in the end, and look, I was happy to get the win. We'd lost, I think, four in a row, and it's always nicer to win than lose. Like, it doesn't matter how the win comes. You always walk away from the game feeling better if your team gets a win. And it got the morale up a bit, especially with a young team. It's nice to just get that winning feeling into the group and and, um, and a bit of positivity. So, look, I was, I was overall happy enough just to not lose five in a row. Yeah, and I agree with all of that. It, 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 it is a tough way to win a game. Uh, it's a very tough way to lose a game. Um, mm. But, I mean, if I was going to put in any kind of, like, uh, good light, it would be, you know, you have a footing, footy department, you have a drafting department, you've got yourselves, uh, you know, the uh, physical department, you've got yourself your doctors and your physios and everything. And then you've also got your admin department in a football team. And uh, so they've all got to do their job in order to win a game. None has been more clear than this week of how important a good admin team is at this point. (laughs) But look, the wind is great. Like I agree with everything you said there. It's great for morale. It's good for the guys. Something back for effort. But yeah, as you said, it wasn't the most convincing win. It wasn't convincing game at all um we had our hands in our heads for a big chunk of it when we're at the footy at the tutor in redfern to we're just like this we got to do better than this we're better the team than that and don't get me wrong i think the ruse stood up a lot more this game i think they could smell some blood um and yeah we just would manage to at least hold them off uh, close enough to make something out of it and we did and look if i'm gonna make i'm gonna put some serious light over it's a bit, a bit of optimism over the top of it we had a stoppage Inside our 50, you know, 15 meters away from goal, I would like to think that we would have scored a goal there at that point anyway, okay? Granted, it didn't pass that way. We had to get ourselves a 50-meter penalty and a free kick right in front of goal to make it happen. But I, I, I would have suggested that we would have got a decent shot at goal. So maybe without the help we would have won, but that's all maybes. But, yeah, I'm just happy, happy to have it. Mate, did you see the North... Uh, fans throwing stuff at the umpires at the end of the game. 
No, I didn't actually, because I, yeah. I watched the game. I didn't watch it live. I mean, I was checking the scores because I'm not one of these people because with the time difference, this game started very, very early, like 6 a.m. or something, finish time. And I'm not one of these fans. Like my brother, for example, he's in Canada. He can not find out the scores and then watch the game like on replay, but not knowing the result. I can't do that. I'm too much of a, of a nervous fan <laughs> to even contemplate that. So I was checking the scores on the, on the AFL app. And, um, and so then when I eventually got to actually watch the full replay of the game, they've already cut the game. So they've already taken out like all of the post game and stuff. So oh, I just saw okay, like, yeah. like full-time siren players go off and that was it. So I didn't realize that until you told me now, but what, what were they doing? What happened? Yeah, there was all this. They were just chucking stuff onto the ground, throwing things at umpires, screaming at umpires. It's like it was their fault, and like they just applied the rules perfectly, exactly as the rules were there to be applied. Yeah, but there, it was yeah, bit, bit ordinary, pretty ordinary show by the Ruse fans who were, don't get me wrong, right, like rightly frustrated, but probably frustrated the wrong people to be fair. Yeah, probably frustrated their club too. I mean, there was only yeah. twenty one thousand people turned up on a Saturday afternoon under the roof, so okay, it might have been cold or wet in Melbourne in May, but still. It's not weather affected. Twenty one thousand mm. people show up. You know, there's their their coach who was meant to be the messiah and come and save them is is taken personal leave, like all sorts of stuff going on. And I think it was it you actually that posted a stat on our on our group chat with the other guys from the from the podcast that Mel- North Melbourne's current record is quite similar to what Fitzroy's was when they got booted out of the AFL. Was that you that posted that? Yeah, it was. It was like a yeah. hundred and something and seven. Uh, sorry, seven and a hundred and something uh, for both teams. Last last hundred twenty games or something like that. And uh, yeah, Fitzroy before they move up to Brisbane was basically the same record. So they're in a world of hurt. Um, mm. And as you said, their, their savior in Clarkson is he's uh, taking leave uh, for personal reasons. That's not questionable. But what is questionable is the dubious nature of some of the stuff that's happened prior to that. So we've got ourselves a bit of a situation, <laughs> and the AFL is not helping it. I just no, personally, <laughs> not the AFL is doing a pretty ordinary job of all of this, to be honest with you. But. I think Clarkson's pissed off enough people in his career that no one's giving too much of a hell, which is unnecessary. At the end of the day, you're guilty or whatever, but you got to look into it. But yeah. yeah he's got a rap sheet yeah. going back a long way. Like mm. like in terms of like anger and violence and stuff going back to the 80s, like he, he was the one who famously king hit a bloke in one of the preseason exhibition games or whatever it was, postseason exhibition games in London, like in the 80s. He yeah. absolutely brutalized a bloke and it's kind of been, you know, thing after thing. So yeah, I guess you're right. There's probably quite a few people who are who are not that tolerant, you know. Yeah, even the maybe the umpire that he was screaming at, like the nine-year-old umpire or whatever that he was screaming at at one point at a, at a, reserve, at a children's game on one weekend, going back a couple of years, is one of the umpires that was involved in this situation this week. So God knows what's going on. <laughs> it's all coming up. He's got himself yeah. a bit of a situation yeah. over there. So. But yeah, like I've, right, I've got mate, no ill get... feeling towards North Melbourne yeah. or North Melbourne supporters besides the 96 round final, which I was at actually, and um, I was a very upset young fella at that game. Um, but besides I, I do that, have, look, you know... I'm very upset with them for booing Guzzi at his last game, and I will never forget seeing the blue and white and me screaming at them amongst that. So I do have a bit of, um, no, I wouldn't say hatred, it's way too, way too strong. I do have some, was it Shroud and Forward when you're like excited mm-hmm. about someone not doing so well? Yeah, that's me, um, and and this one came timely. I did notice around the socials that a lot of people have a long memories about some of the things that North Melbourne have done, even to the point of like you know celebrating Clarkson for the potential racism that he uh, was a part of over there, the Hawks, and then in Indigenous round, uh, clapping and celebrating him in the first quarter. You might not have seen that, but the the club had, the fans had organized at a certain time of the day that there were a certain time of the game that they were going to start clapping in, in, in memory of him kind of thing. He's still around. Yeah. They drew attention to it on the broadcast and I, I didn't really mm. make a huge amount of it at the time, but then they, they sort of made a thing about it and, you know, fair enough. I think there's nothing wrong with wanting to, um, to show support for your coach and all that sort of thing. Mm. But, but like you said, the timing of it, given the fact that it's indigenous around and what he's accused of yeah. at the moment, and and the whole very very badly handled process by all parties really around it that's going on through the AFL and they've and like I think they announced today that mediation that was going to happen has not happened or it's not happening tomorrow or something. It's just one thing after another with it with the process and it was also in the twenty third minute which I guess was his playing number when he played wasn't it twenty three? Uh, it must have been yeah. Yeah, uh, but then at the same time it's also Buddy Franklin's playing number like the, yeah I was gonna say like yeah <laughs> celebrate like, Buddy. And that's Michael Jordan, so why not? I just yeah. thought the timing of it seemed a bit unnecessary, but anyway, that's up to them to do, you know. But still, it was a bit odd. Yeah, yeah, it was a bit un- un- unnecessary, I kind of feel. But either way, all right, let's 
Shall we get back into the game? Uh, yeah, one, one thing, got... actually, we should thank them for. Um, John yeah. Longmire, we got out of North Melbourne, so we should be grateful. So. That's, a, that's a good point. Yeah. So point. cheers. <laughs> Thanks. Yeah, cheers Thanks for that. <laughs> we'll take it. <laughs> um, look, the good, the bad, and the stats, mate. Um, let's get stuck into some of the good. Hey, Stretch McAdams, that you and Noddy have been very hot on, um, was looking the goods, mate. It looked fantastic uh, getting thrown up into AFL. Age of 22, I think. He's like only played four years worth of AFL. Kind of feels like a bit of a rampy situation, mate. He's looking very, very good. Yeah, we can hope so. I mean, yeah, not especially Noddy because he watches a lot of the reserves in particular and also Matt from our, um, from, our, from our chat. The two of them have both been very, very positive on this guy. I haven't seen him play much except for some stuff on TV, but, mm. you know, He's like, and the, and the the trouble with ruckman is they can take a long time to come on. So we've really had trouble having any sort of ruck back up at the Swans for quite a long time. And if we can pluck one from the academy via what I think was the rookie list in the end, then that's a great mm. win. And and like and we were chatting earlier um, with the other guys on the on the group chat as well that um, that you know we don't need to be a superstar. We're not expecting to be you know Dean Cox or or Nick Nat or any of these blokes, but mm. if he can be a solid Ruckman who after 30 or 40 games can be a consistent AFL-level player, then that's a massive win, I think. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And having a young guy like that, I mean, who better than Dean Cox to have as your yeah. coach to, to, to like ramp you up the way? Don't get me wrong, like Dean Cox also has DNA in him that's just you know, unreplicable, but so does Stretch. He's a big, you know, I think he's, what, 210, maybe 209 centimetres yeah, already. Yeah, 100, 100, 100 kegs on him. And uh, I think because so for the listeners out there, both uh, Steve-O and Noddy are massive Union fans, more so uh, Noddy, um, I'd suggest perhaps. I don't know. Yeah, no, um, I, I sort yeah. of stopped following Union and League. I used to actually followed League a bit more, honestly, because being from Central yeah. Coast. But, yeah, but yeah, yeah, moving to Finland, it got too hard to follow everything because of the time zones inside so just focused <laughs> on the AFL. <laughs> that was it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> But yeah, they were saying like, because he because Stretch comes from a uh, rugby background, and Noddy was like, in order to be decent at his position these days, he needed to put on another, like another fifteen or twenty kilos, and one guy was like thirty kilos heavier, like basically a uh, enormous amount of bulk for even a big man. Like that just goes to show the freaking size of these guys in the union these days. And so Stretch kind of going into the AFL is probably suitable to his size and everything. Um, and so yeah, I think we've got ourselves a. A competitor, as we could see on the ground, making some tackles, following up, um, and everything else. So, very excited, like pumped about it. I think one really, really big good win that happened over North was to blood him, even if it was next to Goldstein, who's still to this day a competitor. Yeah, sort of a bit of a lesson, but that's good too. It. Like he gets to yeah. go up against someone like that, and he got to carry the ruck for a good part of the game. Like he was the main ruckman in his first game. And I mean, we'll talk about the injuries later on, but he's probably going to be the main ruckman for a while. So. <laughs> yeah, it seems that way. Well done, so you, Stretch. You get, You've got yourself you a walk-on start into an AFL team the year after uh, the Premiership. Good on you, mate. Yeah. Like, we don't expect anything massive from him even this year or next year or anything. But you, I think by the time he's 24, 25, and he's played 30, 40, 50 AFL games, and he looks mm. like someone who could be, like, really solid ruck. Yep. Yeah, exactly. Agree with that. Look, even Laddams to begin with, I thought looked pretty decent. Um, he got himself his two goals for, his, uh, I think it was half the game he, he played out. Um, so yeah, look, look, pretty happy with the way he went. That was pretty nice of him. He was playing a bit better. He did have his one moment though, I recall. Did he, was, I think he's the one that missed everything perhaps, but he had, I was just thinking to myself, he's had his one. He's had his one moment <laughs> where he's allowed to bugger something up. In other weeks, he's like throwing the ball. In other weeks, he's kind of deliberate. In other weeks, he's giving it the ball to the wrong guy and got ourselves a 50-meter penalty into the goal square. <clears throat> Not into the goal square, into the 50, sorry. Um, so he he has had his rap sheet and he added to it with some minor uh, infringement this week, but he, he had his one. But he's also out for a while and we'll get into that in a little bit. Um, mate, what else did you see from the weekend? The good, the best, bad, and the stats. Oh, look, let's let's kick on with some more good because we actually got good. a win. So wh- why not just enjoy a bit of good for a moment? Buddy Franklin was awesome. He had a great game. Yeah. Um, and so what? It's Mel- at North Melbourne. You got to play yourself into form at some point, and he did. And and like you like you said, Butch, he's, he shut people up at least this week. That'll hopefully keep him quiet. We'll talk more about Buddy when we get to the best players in um in a bit because he was one of them. But really good to see him just say, look, I'm a good footballer and this is what I do. Yep. Yep. Love that. Yep. Uh, well, yeah, we'll get into his stats in a little bit. He, he did pretty well for the game. And 
all the words about, you know, oh, he needs to retire immediately as some of the guys like Montagna and those fellas had started suggesting. Like, did he Daniel, say that, did he? Yeah, Montagna's an idiot. He's like, this is, oh, he man. suggested that Montagna said, Montagna said that Buddy should just retire now and then just go on a worldwide trip around the AFL to all the stadiums and so that the, the, the fans can celebrate him correctly. And I'm like, Buddy would not do that. Like when has Buddy ever made it about himself? That's one of the dumbest things I've ever heard in my life, right? Anyway, he's, he's going to buy his house next to Plugger's house and those two are going to build up their own little <laughs> little village and they're never going to be seen from again. That's it. They're done. Like, <laughs> Where's Plugger, isn't he? Is he still he, – he, when he retired, he went down to like Southern Highlands somewhere, didn't he? He was, he was um, racing greyhounds, I think. I don't know if he's still doing that. That's, that's what he was – I'm pretty sure he had a farm and stuff. Yeah. And, and actually, I'll, I'll, throw, I'll put this in now because this is – um. This is not related at all, but someone told me the story. I forget who it even was that they called up Plugger, someone from the Swans, the AFL. They wanted him to present some award or, or be at some oh, ceremony yeah, night yeah. or something like this. And he was on his farm. He was busy, and he said, "Oh, yeah, I'd, I'd like to be involved, but it's just the problem is one of my cows is calfing right now, so I, I can't really make it." <laughs> <laughs> Any chance you guys could drive up here to the farm? We could just do something here. You could bring the cameras. I don't, I don't know if that's the exact story, but it was along yeah, yeah, those lines. Yeah. That it was like, yeah, no, I'm good. I got stuff to do. Yeah, that's that's basically going to be Buddy in a year. <laughs> like, yeah. He's just going to be like woof, disappear and just never be seen off again for a while. And that's that's what he's allowed to do. He's been good enough. Yeah, him and Plugger are going to go off and just be off together. So no, Lee Montagna, he's not going to make it about him for an entire year. He's going to call it probably last few weeks and then just get done with it. One last yeah, game in the MCG, one game in SCG, and then bye. Like, it is. No yeah, yeah, exactly. Everyone this knows he's it. going to retire. So this is your chance. If you're a supporter of football anywhere in the country, go watch him because this will be the last year. Just enjoy him. Yep. Last time you're going to see him play against a team, that's probably it. Mm-hmm. Unless just outrageous circumstances, but I cannot see it coming. I can't see a whole lot of people throwing him a contract either way. So anyway, um, all right, look, next thing is um, despite the entire disaster of this season, Right. Despite losing early, McCartan to two McCartans, Rampy, and uh, now Millsy, Logan, um, and a few others along the way, um, we're still coming only one win out of seventh place on the ladder, as you were pointing out. That's surprising. And I think that goes to the point that Dan from Did the Swans Win, who's got a couple of social media accounts out there, I suggest watching him, listening in and watching him and following him wherever he is. We're suggesting, look, the teams above us didn't need to churn ourselves over and then we've got half a decent chance as long as we play our game and last until some of these injuries start coming back. He's, he's got some legs because that's basically the way it is. The teams above us aren't doing that well, mate. What, what do you see from this? It's really even. Like You've got that top six and then there's already a two-game gap, I think, between sixth and seventh on the ladder and then from seventh all the way down to twelfth, there's four points and that's yeah. it. Like it's... It's very much up for grabs. What I think it'll probably end up coming down to in the end is, I mean, it's it's always who wins the most of these 50-50 games against teams that are in your same sort of bracket, but then mm. also probably because we have three very uncompetitive sides this year in Hawks, Eagles, and bloody Brews that we just played, who yeah. gets to play them multiple times might end up deciding some of those spots. And I think Swans only get one double up against them or maybe even none. I can't remember. Mm. Yeah, yeah, because we got the high up the ladder. You know, what's interesting, Collingwood hasn't played either of the, any of those teams yet. Collingwood still hasn't played Hawthorne North or West Coast as yet. So they've got themselves effectively, in, in theory, three gimme uh, wins as well to even propel themselves higher up the ladder. So they're looking hot. But yeah, to your point, like Geelong and Adelaide, um, one game ahead of us and they're coming seventh and eighth respectively. So it's it, despite it being a really bad year of injuries like for what we've been able to do with keeping the team together with a bunch of young kids and some sticky tape it's doing the job and we're still within touch uh, very 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 lightly but within touch of finals so not writing it off but the likelihood is low but what's important right now in my eyes is just blooding these young guys um getting yeah, totally. out of them. yeah look unfortunately we're going to move into the bad stats um the Ruse were better at quite a few of these stats, and let me name a few. Inside 50s were minus 6. Disposals, minus 27. Stoppages, minus 24. Clearances, minus 20. Uncontested possessions, minus 37. Marks, minus 4. And tackles, minus 10. We were nowhere near as competitive as we needed to be in order to really inch out this win better. Um, or at least the Ruse turned it on. 
Is that how you saw it, or do you think these stats are a bit of an anomaly? Uh, I mean, I think we got smashed around the ball, like just watching the game. Yeah. Um, they had some very, very young raw midfielders. They had that young fella. I forget his name now. He just got drafted at the end of last year. In, it was oh, like a high pick. No, not not him. The other one, the um, the one that got drafted after him, was playing his first oh. match. Um, oh, yeah, yeah, he yeah, played yeah. in the center, and he was you know running around next to Luke Parker and not looking overwhelmed at all. So he looked really good. Um, they were up and about. They had energy. They also had Goldstein, who was doing very well in there. Um, like it was, he was Goldstein as a what three hundred game something-ish player, roughly thereabouts, and he was against a rookie. Um, so I guess that helps. But but their midfielders, like their, their ball players, they really did work hard and they were explosive out of those stoppages. And the Swans looked a bit flat-footed some of the time yep. coming out of there. Um, and that comes back to, um, I guess, maybe not having Mills in there also for a bit more stability because really it's mm. now Luke Parker and a bunch of kids, even though some of them are very, very good kids. They're very young. Um so, so yeah, something is not going well in that centre square and around the stoppages to get smashed by North Melbourne, who are one of the weakest teams in the comp at that area of the game. Like if yeah. we can, if we lose stoppages minus twenty four, um, uh, all that sort of stuff, you've listed against you know Carlton, even probably we get belted. Yeah. Mm. No, you're right. I think I don't think North were cl- uh, classy enough to finish it off to make the most out of those situations, um, make the most out of those stat lines, and. It does kind of paper over the cracks when we get a win like that. We 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 just like oh yay! Like, so to, some of the humor around it is that some of the play, some of the team, uh, what do you call it? Some of the fans out there that have been calling for horse's head have suggested a horse has got another week in him because we won this game against North. I'm like, it doesn't. I don't think it works <laughs> that way, guys. Like, he's either tactically putting it together or is not with what he's got, and uh, we just don't have the pieces to put it together. So he's doing his best he can. Um, on a general sense, I was kind of happy with the way that players were playing. I felt effort was quite there. I felt they knuckled down, got competitive. It was a, quite a dirty game in aspects of it as well. There was a bit of bit of niggly uh, going all around. And, um, yeah, I just felt that the Swans did what they had to. I mean, they, they were also a young team. The Roos also housing quite a young team outside of Gold, Goldie and, and Zebo and whatnot. Um, but we, we did what we could. Um, so, yeah, happy about that. One of the stats that did go against us as well, but for the right reasons, was that they beat us in the interchanges, 76 to yeah, 74. <laughs> I mean, that's a that's a big stat line, I felt. I didn't realize that the biggest stat line and the most um, direct correlation to a win is the interchanges, but it, it wasn't this time. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> there you go. It was yeah, the, thing, the things you learn in football. Yeah, when that was, I couldn't believe it when I was watching it because it wasn't that clear from the broadcast what even happened. It wasn't really until afterwards that it became that obvious. Mm. And I was like, man, nah, how do you get that wrong? Like if, if you're North Melbourne. I know, and I, f- I saw somewhere, and I'm sorry for not remembering who posted it, but someone mentioned that I think it was a game against Carlton where we, the Swans, breached the uh, interchange and, and it was a really soft penalty. It was like a fine or something. Uh, and it was actually Carlton and the AFL went ahead and made those changes because of what the Swans did and the irony to some years later um, to then come around and win a game off the back of it is pretty, pretty full on. So anyway, there's a, a bit of that for us. So yeah, look, we'll take the win, but whoosh, the stats didn't look in our favor otherwise. Mate, favorite moments and mischances. Um, do you want to kick it off? Oh, my favorite. I already talked about Buddy, but I'm going to talk about him again because his last quarter, so if I can count the entire last quarter as a moment, um, he was amazing. Like, he was a real presence. He was a big reason the Swans managed to get over and get the win in the end when they started the fight back because they were down by, you know, just under three goals in that last quarter Mm -hmm. and fought back hard. Buddy Franklin's just just his presence and his attitude on the field was huge. He had three quarter, three um, tackles in that last quarter. I mean, that's a, that's a key forward, like a full forward making three tackles in a quarter. That's like a 12-tackle game if you spread it out over a full match. That's yeah. huge. And and especially the one that I loved was um, after the Swans got that goal from McLean after the interchange breach thing, and it still had to go back to the centre. There was about 30 or 40 seconds left to play in the game after that. And there was a secondary ball up from the, the first bounce in the centre. And then from that, Buddy Franklin, North Melbourne sort of gets a bit free out the back. They get a space out the back of the stoppage. And Franklin comes steaming and wraps up the North player and locks him up. And that was pretty much the game right there. And, and that, that moment, to me, is a bloke who is still totally committed to 
um, to playing football and to trying to win games of football and playing with these guys like his teammates and anyone who's willing to nudge him out on his retirement tour well good luck to him because he's still <laughs> clearly clearly interested in playing as we saw in that last quarter yeah. he was awesome yeah that was my yeah, favorite moment that was awesome. I remember that that massive crunching tackle to mm. keep the ball. And like, I think the player, I don't know who it was, was running out of the center square, but they looked like they, they had a step on him. They're like, oh, look, I'm going to step to my rights and get onto my boot. And Buddy just read it perfectly and just like crunched him, uh, like a rugby style tackle, just took him out. He had no chance to get onto his boot in the end. And yeah, if it wasn't for that bloody stoppage, that, that ball runs off and, and we're six behind potentially. So yeah, mm. that was awesome. That was awesome. Um, one, what I really, really, really loved was the Heaney goal um, to get us within three points that set us up for the win. Um, running in, it was actually a really good effort. I, I don't know. So we got it out of a stoppage clearance on the wing. I think it bounced into the hands of Gus Bus, um, and he pumped it out forward, touched a couple of hands in the air before it landed, I think, in Warners perhaps, and then over to Heaney, and then Heaney went on to – kick a beautiful goal from just inside 50 on the run uh, and then got us within three points. That was awesome. And if I recall correctly, it was actually pretty much in the exact same spot as the exact same thing that Goulden had done earlier in the game. Yeah, it was close, yeah. Yeah, about 55, I think, Goulden kicked it from. Um, But, yeah, basically basically the same thing. That was really, really lovely. I loved that spot. That was great. Yeah, and they're the killer ones too because both of them were ones where – because you said they both kicked it pretty much on 50 and they sort of just dribbled through at the end. And they're those ones where if you're a North Melbourne defender and you see that and you know you're like you're like two metres further away than you can be to get to that, you're just thinking, oh, man. Like, yeah, <laughs> you know no, it's going to no. go through and you just, nah, it's horrible. Horrible, horrible. They were <laughs> both, both great goals. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's one of the ones we mentioned there. Right. Anything else from your side, mate? Anything to bring up? Um... No, I guess I mean the other thing that I really like with that Goulden one, I'll I'll talk a bit more about him because yeah, he's please. another one of my favourites. Yeah, I, I love the way that he follows up his work. Like he, before that goal, he had the ball on the wing, like I think even just back of centre wing, and he launched it into the forward. I think McAndrew got up there and got a massive fist onto it, and there was a couple of us ones in the contest too, but McAndrew was one that sort of stands out because he's <laughs> ten centimetres taller than even the next tallest bloke. So you see him down there, and so the ball came out, spilled out to just outside the fifty, and then you see Goulden, who's rather than just sitting back on the wing thinking, yeah, look at me, good for me, I've had my kick, I've got my stat, off I go. He's followed up, and he picks the ball up about 60-ish out, grabs it, settles, and then launches it in and, and kicks a goal. And that was the one that sort of started the, I guess, the revival in that back part of the last quarter. Yeah. So it just it just shows his work effort. Like, he yeah. really, really, um, he runs hard, and he always makes sure he stays in the contest. And I've, I think I've talked previously earlier this year about it piece of play where he gets like three very important touches in the forward half center and and back half all within 30 seconds it was the same sort of thing again from him mm. just just the smarts of the guy the hard running he's a he's a very very gifted player if they did his draft again he'd probably go you know top two or three yeah yeah agree with that he's he just he played so well this week again uh and it was a bit unlucky. He didn't I don't think he, he posted any of like the Brownlee points. Uh, not Brownlee points, the coaches' votes. Perhaps maybe he got himself one. But he was just continuing on his effort and quality from all the other weeks that he's been playing, and he's just continually going. And yeah, as you said, just does everything. Hey, eh? oh, I love him. Love it. Look, my, one of my favorite moments is when the Kangas admin staff dropped their clicker. Um, <laughs> I, I'll stop now. I'm sorry. I'll stop. That's my last one. I'm sorry. Yeah. All right. Poor, poor North Melbourne. Well, not really. I feel bad yeah. for him. <laughs> I don't. No, I, feel bad. I really don't. I don't enough. have any malicious feeling, but I have no sympathy either. I, yeah. I remember being a teenager when they were dominant and Wayne Carey was the best player in the world and it was just you were terrified every time you played him. I remember that. <laughs> so, yeah, okay. <laughs> They've had their time. Yeah, that's it. That's It's their, their, their time to be a bit down the list now. Yeah, I mean, there's... It is what it is. Don't be a goodsy. Um, moving on to the Bob medal, which is our equivalent of the Bob Skilton. Um, we give three, two, one points to the best Swans player in each game with the highest points receiving the ability to believe that this was a win purely on merit and without any administrative issues. Are we okay with that? <laughs> sure. All right, done. So right off the bat, we give three points to Parker 
two points to Warner and one point to the grizzling old veteran, Buddy. Mate, do you want to take it away with Parker? All right. What we've got here is the first stat that's listed here we've got is about 10 stitches. So, yeah, he walked away yeah, with wow. um, with a bit of medical work to the top of his head. Um, there was one point actually where he had that massive bandage and I forget who it was. One of the other North players also had a big bandage across his head and they matched <laughs> up on each other. And I thought, yeah, what sort of game cool. are we playing? Why, why do we people do this, you know? <laughs> why do people like, involve themselves when they're bleeding yeah. from their heads on a regular this is, yeah this is ridiculous um yeah so a bunch of stitches luke parker best on ground um for stitches um also best on ground <laughs> like he, best on ground for score involvements he had nine of those he got a couple of contested marks which for a midfielder is solid um 10 ground ball gets which is best on ground 28 touches 18 contested touches which was again the best on the ground there's a theme here that he was just the best on the ground mm-hmm. he got a goal and I love it when Luke Parker gets a goal because if Luke Parker is hitting the scoreboard, it's it's one of those sort of like barometer things. So I mean, like I always feel yeah. that when he's hitting the scoreboard, the Swans are up and about. Um, he made five tackles. He, he had a great game. I think Parker. He was he was a clear best on ground for me. Yep, yep, agree with all of that. He's been he was fantastic. It was clearly best on ground him from the first quarter. Uh, we, we were all just like this, this. You could see him willing it through. Uh, if he's up and about, as you said, like. It's 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 when you can really hang your hat on it. You can really have faith that like effort is there, and Parker's effort is, and then question it is hard. And again, post GWS game, turning it on. This is like this is. I'm telling you, my my theory that he plays well after GWS game is solid. So come along, jump on board the the, the plane, the plane train, both of those things. We can get Anything a bus. You like? We need to make sure we play the Giants round one next year. And then Parker yeah. will just yeah. kill it from the start, won't he? That's it. Right, right. So like right now I've got about six people that probably follow on my theory. So we've got ourselves one of those like uh, Tarago. I'm hoping by the end of the season, I'm hoping by the season we've moved ourselves into a mini bus or, a, you know, like a half bus. And then then we'll talk about trains and plans after that. But for right now, yeah. we've got ourselves a Tarago. Climb aboard. Plenty of room. We'll be fine. Um, mate, two points for Warner. If you don't mind, I'll grab this one for a sec. Um 31 disposals, second on ground, but number one for the Swans, 21 of them being kicks. Now, that's surprising. That is a man getting out there and trying to get the ball going forward. Maybe he's been given the the all clear from the coaches to just start getting some clearance numbers, and it seems to have shown 644 metres gain, second on ground, first for the Swans, uh, three tackles and seven clearances. Again, second on ground, but first for the Swans, um, alongside a goal and three tackles. He had a really, really good game. And another one of those players that was showing absolute class when we really needed it. That's what I saw. Yeah, and good to see him getting a goal too. Like Parker, he's another one. Like if, if players like Parker and Warner, you know, Goulden also got a goal. If these sort of guys can have some scoreboard impact, it helps out, I think, a lot. Yeah. And it, it makes their midfielders have to think about being more accountable too. Especially his style where he's just bolting it in from from the center square. Like he, we've seen enough times where if he's getting going and he's, he's getting a run on and he's got himself in, in full flight, he's bloody well hard to catch. He's been caught once or twice this year, I think, but, and it hasn't been that um, accurate hitting a goal running from the center square, unfortunately, as Noddy and I had picked up before, but if we can get going, that's like an extra one or two goals per game um, for a center guy, just trying to get a clearance. We'll take that. Like that's, that's solid. So, Definitely would make an enormous difference, especially um, in these closer games we've lost this year uh, where he's missed a couple. Um, if he can get himself back into accuracy, that's going to go a long way to helping us all out. Um, mate, one point to Buddy. Do you want to take it away with Sir Buddy? Yeah, I guess I've already already talked up Buddy a bit, but I guess we can add a few of his stats. He had four contested marks, which was really good, best on the ground. And a lot of people are, are constantly sort of on Buddy for not taking a lot of contested marks. I think he, he really did that. Um, three goals. I didn't talk about his goals before, but yeah, three goals. Um, kicked it behind, so you know, four scoring shots, and he was massive. Like I said already, he was just he was a presence on the field when he really needed to be, especially in that last quarter. And and that's what you want from your champion players. And if we look at our best three in this game, it's Parker and Franklin is two of the three mm-hmm. best. And you know these senior guys, they really saw a game that you know needed some leadership, and I think they gave it really well. Yeah. 100%. And just to give you an idea, he was third in tackles for the Swans. So yeah, Robottom well. and Gordon yeah. with six tackles each and then um, Franklin and Parker. So both Parker and Buddy with the five tackles, a second on ground next to McAndrew of all places. So 
yeah, like that's that's you don't necessarily expect to see your four four getting out there and smashing up all his tackles at the same rate as a midfielder, but it just goes to show that he came with intent and he came to start like making an impact in the game, which is what you want to see from the butt star, uh, mate. Um, any notable mentions for some players that had a decent game that we should flag up? Yeah, we got a few. We um we already talked about Gould, and I guess we don't need to talk much more about him because we we talk about him every week because he's amazing. <laughs> he's but good, this yeah. week it's it's the others' turn to shine, maybe. But he was very good. Um, I really liked Robbie Fox's game. Um, yep. I think that he, in the absence of literally the backline, like <laughs> he's in the absence of an entire AFL yeah. backline. Yeah, we have Robbie Fox. He's doing a very very good job, like back there, because it's effectively him, Will Gould, who's only played a few games. He's a rookie, and then Francis, who's trying to establish himself in his own right, and has sort of swung backwards and forwards between back and forward. Um, Robbie Fox has been a rock back there, and not only does he sort of hold that whole backline together. He also wins a lot of the footy and does good things with it when he brings it up the field. So I thought he was great. It was really close to getting votes from me, actually. Yeah, yeah, fair enough. He, he was he was super good. Uh, I loved him. I'll take him one. One would be Blakey. Um, so Blakey with 10 one percenters, eight intercept possessions, and a 19 disposals, um, and a pretty high disposal rate efficiency from memory. I think it was in his 80. So he did a pretty good job trying to get what he could out of the game. He had a couple of great runs. I saw one run was, um, it might have gone into favorite moments, but I think it was like Heaney or maybe Rowie and Warner passed the ball between them. Um, and in comes Blakey, typically going down his normal route, which would be straight lines through to center square. And you can see the Ruse fan, the Ruse um, actually kind of set themselves up to like put some bodies in front of him. What does Blakey do? He takes the old uh, winger or uh, or a fullback run from from NRL, heads off right a little bit, and then just cuts through everyone and finds himself another twenty meters of space that he runs into and gets himself into into the inside fifty. So yeah, Blakey looking really really nice. I, I love what I saw from him. Any anyone else on your radar there, mate? I guess I guess the other two we haven't talked about that were also really good was the tours. We actually we talked about McAndrew quite a bit, so we probably need to talk more about him. But he had a really solid first game. Um, showed that you know we can hopefully have a good developing ruck coming through in him, um, yep. and he'll take time. I think the main thing for fans um, is that we need to be patient because he's a he's a very raw developing ruck. He's going to take a while. Um, so he was promising, and then McLean, I think. I mean, clean. He's he's pretty much the last man standing when it comes to um, <laughs> comes to like health. forwards yeah. and rucks and stuff. He's the only guy left, and he's doing well. Um, and maybe just what he's needed is to know that he's going to be playing every week, and that's good for your confidence. Who knows? But he's been been doing some good stuff. Not just when he's on the ball. He's always been pretty good when he's been on the ball. Like the pressure and the run he gives as a backup ruck, but but forward as well. He's been mm-hmm. um, been giving a good option. So yeah, I thought he was well play well also on Saturday. Yeah, yeah he runs all day. Coach, uh, Sons fans, he runs tons and tons and tons. And maybe for next week, we'll put together like um, an idea of how much some of these big men run uh, and where he sits in it. But he basically runs the same level, if not more than most of the midfielders. So yeah, he he's, gets he's hitting 14 plus Ks a game. And that's yeah. what your, your top midfielders are doing. He runs a yeah, lot. That, that's wild for a big man. And when he gets his hands on the ball, um, if you watch the game again, you realize that he's he's in the middle of it. He's in, in amongst the pressure and he still manages to make a decent decision with a handball or a kick or something, typically a handball if you find someone. So he does the right things around the ball and, and I, I've always been a big fan of him. Um, he's been a bit shaky at some points, but I, I, just the amount of effort and just the quality, the general quality of the player that he is, I'm a big fan. So I would like to see him hopefully hold his spot and, and make the most of it while he's there. Um, all right, mate, let's get stuck into the post game. So unfortunately, we get straight into the injuries. Another injury to a key player, Laddams with a banged up ankle. I don't know whether it was ligament or bone. I think it was ligament, but we presume it's going to be eight weeks out. Like this season, the hoodoo continues. It's yeah, it was just bad. <laughs> yeah, he's going to be out for a while. Yeah, I mean, given that Hickey was out for a delayed concussion, we don't know how he stands. I hope he's doing okay. Um, we've got Laddams out for definitely out for you know anywhere between eight, no, six to eight weeks. We presume we don't know. Um, that's about it for our rocks, <laughs> and then we've got Stretch. So Stretch is our lone ruckman. Amati, of course, was the guy who was chopping out in the ruck. He's out. Um, he, I don't know what it looks like for, they suspected it the second half, but I doubt it very much. Um, it might be the season for him. Um, 
And then we've also got McLean, who's trying to do what he's best he can. And you know, to be fair, he's done pretty decently out of the ruck. He's not been pushed up too much. So we, we really are like scraping the barrel, as you said. Stretch McAndrew, as good as a game that he played for his first game in the AFL, he's very, very young. He's going to be shown up. He's going to be bullied. Uh, it's going to be a tough gig for him for a while, but I, I think that he's up for it. So let's see where he ends up. Mate, one of the other things I wanted to bring up, the fans are starting to t- turn on Will Gould, I'm noticing out there. W- what do you have to say to this? Now, remembering that Will Gould was the favoured child that everyone was pumped about having into the team, um, we... Swans fans were talking about him incessantly for about two years and then he finally finally got his spot uh, once we had the, all those injuries come through and he won the game against Richmond this year. Since then, what do you think has transpired with his game and, and what do you think we should be thinking of when we think about Will Gould? I think we should look at him like we look at any other guy who's only played four or five games of AFL that, you know, it's, it's too early to know if he's going to be the superstar defender that we hope for or if you know he's maybe just and look at him like there's nothing when you watch him play that makes you think okay this guy is going to be a star but then sometimes with footballers they they don't show it until they do think of Chad Warner like in his first couple of games you're like okay this kid's just going to probably run around a half forward flank and not bother anybody and then within 12 months he was a superstar so so it's kind of hard to know after a handful of games that's the first thing that I would say um the second thing is that the, the situation that he's being brought into is um, not the ideal way to blood a key defender. Like, ideally, you would have him in the back line with Rampy and one of the McCartans. So you'd have him as the third one learning off the two senior experienced defenders. Whereas now he's in a back line with, um, with Fox, who's not a key defender. He's just filling a hole. And, and Francis, who's a bit of a swingman, who himself is, is very much trying to get himself established. So it's not an easy gig to bring the guy into. Like, like, and honestly, like, I, I'm not going to talk him up more than, than I think that he is. Like, he doesn't look anything spectacular at the moment. But you know, we won't know until he's played more games. And so until then, let's just watch him play. We've got no one else to put there. So that's what we'll watch him. <laughs> that's a part of it. Yeah. 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 I agree with that. I think I can understand why some fans are maybe gotten cold on him, expecting him to have run on and be like the absolute superstar that he was seen to be pumped about. And I think if you were watching the VFL before he got on, um, you would have realized that he was like, well, he's, he's doing the job. He's definitely one of the better players in the VFL, but he's not lighting it up in any way stretch of the imagine. So imagination, but yeah, I, I, I agree. Just give him some time. He has not had a proper run at it, as you said there, without a backline, without something to bounce off, without having to take on the third man. You know what I mean? He's he's having to do quite a lot. Um, and given that we are just lacking in speed in that backline, his speed is definitely starting to show itself um, off a bit and, uh, and people are starting to pick up on it. But give it a bit of time. And, and the other thing out there also, who are we going to replace him with? Like, yeah. we've hit the limit of our backmen. That's basically it. That's the basically the limit of AFL-ish quality of backmen we have. We don't have anyone else. So yeah. it's going to have Melican, to do the job. But he's Melican's been course, injured, yeah. like very badly injured. Like I think mm. it was the last I think the last game he played, I might be wrong, but I think his last game was the elimination final loss to the Giants like a year and a half ago. I yeah, think it was. Where, where Foxy, AFL we game. felt, should have got the run instead. But yeah, yeah, I think that's the last time he played AFL. And even then, he'd had a lot of injury problems. So who knows where he's at because he's still in the VFL. So we have to assume mm-hmm. that if they thought he was a better option, he would have already been in. Um, so, so yeah, and it's and it's like it's not just like poor Gould having to um, – like you think like if he was playing with those two more experienced defenders, he'd be standing the third tall. I mean, he's, mm-hmm. he's probably playing that role now, but he's not doing it with the same support structure around him that he would mm-hmm. have coming in as a absolutely raw rookie. And that's it's really hard to develop a – like a cohesion in a defensive group anyway. And then when you've got to come into that as a rookie with a bunch of other people who aren't usually playing those roles, it's really hard, honestly. Like, I think that I'm, I'm quite, um, what's the word, like tolerant of, of maybe this yep. guy takes quite some time, you know, if he gets there at all. Maybe he doesn't, but we don't know unless he plays. Yeah, no, agree with all of that. Every bit of that is bang on, I feel. Um, Look, any other replacements? Now with Laddams out, I suspect, as we said, stretches in for good unless Hickey can make his way back in. And even then, we have the need for probably some support there. Um, do you see any other changes around the field? Anyone that's kind of like, I know Dill made his way back in, wasn't the most impactful representation. 
Um, some other names have been thrown around. You've got some numbers here for the VFL. Oh, we had a few in the, the VFL. I mean, the VFL aren't going well. We know that they haven't won a game yet and they lost by 10 goals to, um, to Port <laughs> Melbourne. And funnily enough, a former Swans Ruckman who was carrying their Ruck division in that match, um, Sam, <laughs> Crayfish, Sam yeah. Naismith, yeah. Um, so he got 43 hitouts and 17 touches, but that's another thing that we can talk about in a sec, maybe. But um, So there's actually a couple of Swans that are actually senior-listed relevant players that did actually do pretty well in the reserves this week. Corey Warner got 26 touches and a goal. Um, Sam Wicks had 19 touches and eight tackles, which is a, a good effort for Wicks as a sort of smaller forward. I'm not sure what mm-hmm. sort of position he was playing, but know that he's back and fit is good. Um, Sheldrick, having already played a quarter in the um, in the AFL, he backed up and played and got 18 touches and a goal in the VFL. Melican took seven marks. And then this HHK, who I can't say that. What's his name? What's his real name? I've Hugo Hawkahan. Yeah, this bloke. I've been calling him Hunt Hit Kill because of his HHK. <laughs> yeah, so so he got – so HHK got, um, got three goals. So there's, there's a handful of guys, at least in the reserves, that if they want to mix something up, they can bring in. There'll be yeah. certainly one force change because Laddams isn't playing. And then mm. you got to think, who do you bring in? Because of those ones in the reserves, the only one who's tall is Millican. And then maybe you reshuffle a bit. You know, Maybe Francis goes back forward and Millican plays in the back, but then you've got more instability in the back line again. Who knows what they'll do? Honestly, I wouldn't want to be John Longmire and the match committee this week. He's got no. a tough job. Yeah, tough one, especially against Carlton, who are just like a unique situation. They, they were a very stand, I was going to say standard in quotations uh, set up, like got some balls in the middle, some guys who can run on the outside, some sharp kickers on, on, on the half back, and then they've got a couple of tall forwards and a couple of tall backs. Like they've got every, all the pieces on, in theory, they're all there. Um, yeah, that would be a tough one. What, one thing about Gould, I'm just going to go back to him quickly, I just remembered. There's been the suggestion, and uh, I think it was Noddy that raised it. Noddy has some pretty good creative suggestions, to be honest with you. And he was suggesting maybe forward would be the way to go. I think you and both him were suggesting that might be half a decent go, considering that probably doesn't have the pace to and the stamina necessarily to go in defense at the moment. But would he, he's a decent kick. He's a big body, and he can take a mark. Would a forward make some sense to fill him up if we could bring in Melly and send him up? I don't know because like with that, like because I definitely think that he's he's a big, strong body. You know, you could put him in the goal square. I I kind of think that his build, and I've only seen him on TV. I've never seen him up close or already even live playing. But he looks like he would have been a perfect full forward in like the nineties. Um, he's got <laughs> he's got a, that sort of body, bit of a unit, know? yeah, yeah, like a beast. Like we we're, were chatting on the with on the group chat the other day, and I was thinking like, if he just put on a couple of extra kilos, he'd be like a perfect linebacker in the NFL or something. Like he's just a he's just a lump of a fella. Yeah. Um, whether that works in modern AFL with these forwards, like even the full forwards, they run a lot. Like yeah. they've really run a lot. So I mean, I don't know what he's sort of what his um, endurance level is, but. I think like like keeping him in the back line, he certainly seems comfortable behind the ball, and it'd almost be the opposite because normally it's the way that if you've got like a want away forward or midfielder, then you don't delist them until you've tried them in the back line. Maybe it's mm. going to be the other way around. They they chuck him forward and see how what he's got. But yeah, he might have he might be half decent at it. We'll find out. I mean, I, I don't necessarily know. It's something we need to do now, but uh, food for thought, I guess. Food for thought. Is that yeah. understand right now? Um, right. Okay. So that's, that's the post game. Um, the only MRO situation was when Hayward decided to jump at someone at full pitch and took them out, uh, and he was sent to MRO, MRO. They threw it out the door. They didn't see anything in it. So nothing to speak about there. Um, and I guess we get stuck into the, um, next week's game, which is against Carlton Blues on a Friday night blockbuster at DSCG. Exciting as hell. Look, they got, they got stood up pretty well against the Pies. Uh, the Pies are red hot. And Pies, if to be fair, from what I feel about the Blues, is the Blues kind of handle the ball quite a bit. Um, to give you an idea, I think they're coming first in disposals um, in the competition against all teams. Uh, and But with that kind of ball usage, a high-pressure team is going to make you fumble. They're going to make you lose it guys like uh, Collingwood and uh, yeah that's exactly what kind of happened and it seems to be like a trade of theirs they just continue going with it in my eyes and with my swans colored glasses on um, it does feel that this 
does help us a bit, given us we try to play a similar style. We try to get a lot of pressure on, although we will kind of off the mark last week. What, what do you know about the game? What, what's your feeling towards the game against the Blues? Anything we should t- consider? Uh, I've seen Carlton play a few times this year. They've been pretty ordinary, to be honest. Um, and I don't know. I think that the Swans can beat them. Um, mm. But it's... Um, it's a matter of which Carlton turns up to because they've been really, really hot and cold and the Victoria media has been like choking them this week and in previous weeks. The the CEO of the club or the president of the club or whoever it was has had to come out this week and guarantee Michael Voss's tenure into the end of his contract <laughs> at the end of next year. Like like all of your yeah. sort of typical overreaction that only the Victorian football media is capable of. But um but but yeah, I think that they will maybe appreciate, even though they're playing on Friday night, maybe it'll be nice for them to get away from Melbourne and a bit more relaxing given the amount of heat that's been on them this week. And I'd like to see the Swans just not give them a, a sniff, you know, mm. just really, really come out and, and cause the Swans like they're okay. We're missing a lot of players, but we've still got a lot of very good players and there's no reason they can't come out and play their best football and, and knock these guys off and, you know, keep on a winning role, get, get a second one heading into the bye. Yeah, um, yeah, I agree with that. Um, I'm not we've that got a chance, like losing to them if we have to. But you know, it's it's that's it's, it sucks. You get to this point in the season where you've already lost like five games in a row, and you're like, oh, I don't really expect anything anymore. No, <laughs> so, oh, I know. It's, it's, it's so quick dull, to get resigned to losing. This is the '90s Swans fan coming out in me. I think. Yeah, it's more comfortable to go. Oh, we probably won't win, but it'd be nice if we did. No bugger it. I want to beat these buggers. Let's win. I want to win. I want. I want to win. Not to kick the, not to kick the, them one they're down necessarily, but just I think we can win. And I think we, if we get these young kids to kind of turn it on for like another Richmond-ish game, um, where we just everyone just plays through their freaking heart and just gets it done, that would be huge for me. Um, if we look at their last five matches, um, the Carlton and the Swans are both on one win each. Um, and to be fair, both with cheap wins, although uh, Carlton's much more impressive. Carlton's only had the one win against East Coast, um, sorry, East Coast, West Coast, the other, op- the opposite of East Coast, um, the West Coast Eagles. Uh, I think they've been by what's that, ninety-eight points from my quick math. So pretty, pretty solid win um, by our friends over there at Carlton. But other than that, they lost against uh, Collingwood. They lost against the Bulldogs. They lost against the Lions and lost against St. Kilda. To be fair, those four yeah, uh, top it's a tough six run of games, teams. So yeah, that's a tough win of games. And then we look at our side. We've lost to Frio, um, Collingwood, GWS Giants and the Cats. So yeah, for the most part, it's all it's all very theoretical at this point in terms of form. Both teams are kind of limping into this one. Um, although the Swans with the one win on the trot to hopefully give them a bit of something. Um, any anything we should consider here, mate? I, I'm I'm really struggling to think of anything other than our style of game with pressure would be huge against them if we can turn it on and get that going. If I were horse, I'd be looking at bringing in someone with a bit of speed and can put some tackle pressure on. So, like, I'm thinking, yeah, Gus Bass, probably uh, Warner, if he, if if he's up to it. Um, I saw Wicks here in the yeah, VFL like with eight in, tackles. Like, like, huge. Yeah, Sam, because for me, there's two ways to look at the season from here, really. Either we've put the queue on the rack and said, no, nah, we're not going to make finals, so we're just playing kids because we want to get games into them and stuff. That's one way of looking at the season. Or oh, there's no bugger. We're still trying to win every single game because we still think we're a sniff. And that second option is still where I am mentally. And that's why I'd like to bring Wicks back in because he will just, you know, hunt pressure like across that half forward line. He won't let anything get around him because he's a really, really good pressure player. And like you said, they like to flick the ball around. They like to overuse it quite a bit, even the Carlton players. And mm-hmm. guys like Wicks won't give them that space to do it. So I reckon he'd be a good in. Um, but then it's a matter of, do you want to bring another tall when you've lost Laddams? I don't know. Or maybe drop one of the others, like um, like one of the younger ones or, you know, Stevens yeah. or Clark even. If you're going to mm-hmm. bring in someone like Wicks, does Clark also play in the same team as Wicks? I'm not sure. Yeah, yeah. I, one thing we, we totally missed out on is the pressure inside 50. Our tackles inside 50 have not been where they need to be. So yeah, I agree. Wixie would be handy at that. I know yeah. Swans fans freak out about him because he doesn't get any goals, but that's not necessarily his position. He's um, a pressure forward. So, like, this is the yeah. thing that always drives me crazy. Every time I see criticism of like 
pressure half forward, like small forward players. Their job isn't any of that. You don't see mm. their job. Their job's invisible. The only people who know what their job is is like the coach and the players and stuff. And and Wicks is that player. Like he's and he's a sort of player that teammates love because they know how hard he works to give them opportunity. Yeah, when, when the opposition halfback has to panic a kick that goes to a contested mark, uh, you know, someone like a McLean gets to the ground and then one of the wingers gets it back into our inside 50, that's the situation where the pressure kicked in. That's the pressure that you had to force upon the halfback to make a mistake or to not find a clean kick. That's what Wix's job is. Uh, that's what those pressure half forwards jobs yeah. are, and that's what you want to see. And that's something we, we could really use to get some multiple entries inside fifty because we've not been doing that that well. And he's elite at that. Like last year yeah. and the year before, especially um, when when Wix was healthy and playing every week, his pressure stats were way way up the top every week. Like he's yeah. he's amazing at that forward pressure. Yeah, yeah. He might not score the goals, but he'll 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 do the job. That's for sure. As we wrap into one last thing, I'm just going to quickly, I just remember that I had some good stats here for Rowie. Um, <laughs> nice. So Rowie Bottom has, is averaging seven tackles a game, which is very, very good. I think it's coming fifth in the tally in the AFL. Uh, and to give you an idea, um, the most tackles for a season for a Swan actually is held by uh, Parker and Brett Kirk. Um, two different games with Parker doing it in six and a half tackles per game. So Rowie is beating him there. And Brett Kirk, the absolute animal that he is, got it done in 7.7 average um, back in 2009. So, uh, yeah, albeit uh, Kirky actually had less games, obviously, for the numbers, less, game, less games to do it. And both of them had some finals probably to do it within, within as well. So Rowie is looking grand, man. Seven average tackles a, a game. Um, and fifth on the ladder, that's what his role is, and he's doing it. Like, really happy to see it. Yeah, he's been uh, good. Like he's, he's not getting as much of the footy himself, for sure, hmm. but he's really doing a lot of that that really strong pressure work. Yeah, yeah, pretty happy to see. Like, he might not take that, given that uh, Parker got himself 26 games to do it in, but uh, either way, you have to yeah give credit where it's due because Rowie, if tackles are his thing, tackles are getting it done so that's that's good to see mate one last thing you've got some names here of some players yeah i've got some players names and i've got um i've got a match result to to think back to as well on a friday night in may in 1995 on the 19th of may so it's almost exactly to the to the day but not quite in 1995 that was the year that carlton won the premiership that was the last time that carlton won a flag on friday night at the scg the Swans, who didn't make the finals that year, by the way, we beat the soon-to-be Premier Carton Blues at the SCG by 72 points. We smashed them. Jesus. 132 yes. to 60. Absolutely tore them apart. So I'm hoping for a little bit of that aura to to remain. 23,000 people watched the Swans absolutely thrash the eventual Premiers of that season in Round 8. So I'm hoping for a little bit more of that. And that sort of got us thinking about some of the some of the greats or not so greats that have played for both us and the and the blues and the obvious ones are the ones who are hopefully not going to torment us on Friday, which is <laughs> George Hewitt and Nick Newman, who both uh, are missed. But then there's some pretty big names who've played for both the Swans and the Blues. Greg Williams, Brownlow medalist, is the obvious one. David Reese Jones, if you go back that far. And then the other one that I, I remember from that period, like from the 90s period watching as a kid, Simon Minton Connell. I don't know if anyone remembers him, but he went from the Blues to the Swans and then to the Hawks and I think finished up at the Dogs in the end. And he was an absolute favourite of mine when I was young. He's a forward. So there's a little bit of history, but we're just hoping we can um, get a bit of spirit from that 1995 thrashing of Carlton and take it into Friday night. Oh, I love it. Take that, take that form in. Take yep. that form into the game. How many okay. of our players were born then? Shit, that's 1995. How many How many of the current uh, Swans were even alive? One. Yeah. <laughs> like, like Buddy was just born maybe. Buddy, <laughs> yeah. Like that's about it, I think. Like, yeah. Uh, now, Buddy would have been – Buddy would have been like 88 or something, right? He would have been around. Yeah, yeah like, so. he, he would have been. He would have been around. But here's some of the names that played for the Swans in that game. Listen, I won't read all of them. There's 20-odd, yeah. but some of the ones that stand out. Darren Creswell played in that match. Yeah. Wade Chapman played. Andrew Dunkley played in that one. Adam okay. Huskus was always a favourite. Paul Kelly played in that game. Yeah. Dale Lewis, Tony Lockett, um, and Mickey O'Loughlin, Jason Mooney, and Paul Ruse. And then 
a very, very young Anthony Rocker who went off to Collingwood oh, wow. and had a much better career there. Also played wow, for the Swans that. that day. So yeah. there's some history. That's the, the weekly history football lesson. It's, um, <laughs> yeah, some good oh, card awesome. players played too, but I won't go through all of them. Craig Bradley no. is the only one that I'll mention. He was out there. Look at that. There you go. Yeah. So we take in the, uh, the heat that we had for that week into this game, hopefully get up over Blues. Mate, do you want any predictions or are you happy to let that go? No, I'm going to go in with confidence. I reckon we're going to win. We're going to win by 20 points. Love it. Uh, look, I, 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 I want to see effort. I think we've got it in us. I think that the team can believe in what they have. Uh, the game against the Roos was a bit ordinary in terms of uh, what the scoreline said, but damn well started with uh, with effort. And if we can take that on, you never know. And if we can, I think this one's going to be more of a strategic win, to be honest with you, if we can get that done. Um, lock down the right person and, and, and uh, not let them run on. We've got ourselves a pretty good chance. So that's where I sit it. All right, mate. Well, that takes us to the end of the episode. On behalf of Bod, Bob, uh, thank you so much for listening in. Uh, we'll put this on every single week. And if you ever want to ask a question or whatever, make sure to shoot us through the message, whatever social media takes your fancy. Uh, we'll see you at the SCG on Friday. But until then, up the bloods and can you, you swanee. swanee.